Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Happy Halloween. And welcome back, Tiger fans, to Rock of Nations Football Podcast. I'm Nate Edwards. That's Brandon B.K. Kylie. This is Before the Box Score. Spooky edition. <laughs> Why was it spooky? Because the Tigers gave us several scares on Saturday and tried to lose the game to Vanderbilt, but they didn't. They were triumphant in the end, which is all you're really asking for. Uh, so good news. Missouri's not going to be the worst team in the SEC this year. That's really nice. Uh, but there are obviously some the same weaknesses that we've seen all year. Uh, somehow they prevailed and won a game on the road for the first time since South Carolina 2020. So, BK, how are you doing, man? I'm doing all right. Uh, I'd be better if it wasn't as spooky, as you said. Um, but, you know, this is this is college football in 2021. And unfortunately, there is still a lot of progress that Missouri needs to make before they get on par with the teams that we would like them to be on par with right now. Yeah. And it's again, I think we've said this pretty much every show since the Kentucky game. It's not going to happen this year. Just flat out that all this stuff is building towards next uh, future years. So you hope that the, the guys who are getting experience are the ones who are going to be sticking around, that there's some kind of development that you see the fight, all that sort of stuff. I will say Missouri came out hot on the road against yes, the worst second worst power five team in the world right now, but they did come out with drive. They came out with purpose. They were looking confident uh, in that first quarter, which that's great. Uh, that's that's really great. I, you know, it's, it seemed like they had used the bye week effectively to script plays and kind of shore up some uh, some of the interior issues on the defensive line. 
They're doing a lot of interesting things with the line when the linebackers, I'm like, okay, okay, okay. You know, yes, it's Vanderbilt, but Hey, you're showing me that you can, you can, you can put something together and you can look competent against the worst team in the sec. Uh, and then Connor Bay's like through an interception, Vanderbilt turns it into points. And then we were in a dog fight for the rest of the, you know, what 40 ish minutes that, that were left in the game. So it was, there was some good, there was some bad BK kind of seems like, you know, one bad thing happens and this team just, just tightens up and, and, and doesn't know yet how to work through adversity. Um, what were some of the bigger things that you saw just in the game overall or from any particular players that stood out to you? Yeah, I mean, if we're talking about the bad, it it's just Connor Bazelak making bad decisions again. Um, and this is not to pick on the kid, but it's it's going back to some of the conversations that we've had previously about him, which is if you're going to be a high risk, high reward type of player, the Matty Mock, I think, was the, the comp that mm-hmm. we made previously. Like if you, you can win that way, but you've got to be it's got to be like a 12 for 25 for 230 yards type of performance, right? Where it's it's big chunk plays. When you connect, it's for big plays. But right now what we're seeing is a high risk, low reward type of performance out of their quarterback. And what I mean by that is you're getting the 70% completion rates, which is great. But other than one Hail Mary in this game against Vanderbilt, Connor Bazelak averaged like six yards per attempt. So you're getting the six yards per attempt player, which should be the low risk, low reward, but it's coming with risk of turnovers and it's coming with risk of sacks at inopportune times and throwing the ball away when there might be a play to be made. It's it's just strange. And I don't know what's led to this because this was not Connor Bazelak's style previously. He didn't have turnover issues. That was like his saving grace as a player. But now you're you're watching on a seemingly weekly basis and against the power five opponents, he's just really struggled so far this year. And I don't know how it gets fixed. I think it's just one of those things where this is just going to kind of be the way he plays. And if that's the case, it's really hard to overcome that. Given all of the other deficiencies that Missouri has, you can win with a quarterback like this if you're Georgia or if you're mess or Kentucky and you've got a great defense to go along with a ball control offense when you're built the way that Missouri is right now though it's just they don't have that kind of margin for error they do against Vanderbilt but none of the quality opponents that are on the schedule yeah yeah I mean I think officially um Connor Bay's like finished with 218 yards on 28 attempts so you can do the quick math on that. That is 7.78, roughly, yards per attempt. Which is good, but 45 of it came on that one touchdown. Well, it was 56. <laughs> so, it's, so take away 56, that leaves you to 162 yards on 27 attempts. All of a sudden, it's exactly what you said, six yards per mm-hmm. attempt. So it wasn't good. That's that's not going to that's not going to cut it. Um, now, thankfully, you have a Tyler Beatty who can do everything, but that, that is kind of the problem. I'm going to, I'm going to say this out loud. I'm not, not, I'm not saying Tyler Beatty is a problem. I'm saying when you have such a good player like Tyler Beatty and you have a quarterback like Connor Bazelak, who is afraid of making the risky play, the high risk, high reward type of play. Oftentimes he checks it down to Tyler Beatty, which is fine. 
But do you want your incredible running back to have 31 rushes and 254 yards on the ground? And oh, by the way, also lead the team in targets and catches in the passing game? Do you really want that? No, not particularly. I mean, Tyler Beatty's good, but you don't want him to have to be the entire team. He is basically Brad Smith 2002, mm-hmm. where it's like, I've got nobody else around me, so just give it to me. And when you're the quarterback doing that, you know, that's 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 super hard. When you are the, the running back doing that, that is even harder. And there's just not a whole lot of help. Yesterday, four Missouri players had a catch. Four. 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 That is... That is not how this offense is supposed to work. Everyone needs to chip in something. And I don't know if it was by Vanderbilt's defensive scheme or just our offensive scheme or Connor Bay's lacks decisions, but he didn't trust anybody outside of Tyler Beatty and Kiki Chisholm and Barrett Bannister. That's all he trusted. I know there's some receivers out, but like he would only go to those three. And it made it really obvious where he was going. They had bracketed Bannister pretty much every third down. Kiki Chisholm always had someone shadowing him. And Tyler Beatty out of the backfield was basically the only choice. And it's like, that. we got to be better. <laughs> we, we, we have to be better. And, and again, it's not going to be this season. We're looking at next season. But if you have a quarterback who's only making those types of decisions, you're very limited in your offense. And you saw against a really bad defense, it it's it's not effective no matter who you're going against. Well, and part of this is just by design almost of who they had on the field. J.J. Hester finished the game with 15 snaps offensively. Dominic Lovett had just eight snaps in that game. Uh, Micah Wilson had five. All of them came on running plays. It was basically Barrett Bannister, Towski Dove, uh, Kiki Chisholm. And that was kind of it as your receivers in that one. Uh, Nico Hay, even tight end wise only had 27 snaps in that game, and Missouri finished with 76 overall in the game. So your backup receivers, the the ones that previously had kind of started showing you something, they didn't really play a whole lot in this one. And this goes back to something that you asked about a few weeks ago, Nate, of, hey, are they falling too in love with playing certain players? And the answer seemingly against Vanderbilt was yes. I was surprised when I saw the snap counts afterwards was like JJ Hester. I, I felt like made an impact on the game. I remember multiple plays where I was like, damn, he, he, he almost had a really good game. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was only in for 15 snaps. Why? It, it's just strange. And Dominic Lovett. I, I mean, you know, I've, I've said this a million times, I'm not sure he's totally ready just yet, but eight snaps against Vandy. It's a little surprising for him as well. So they, they've they almost reverted back to where they were at this time last year, where it was, hey, these are the guys we trust, and we're just moving forward with them. And the problem, you made a really good comp with this offense versus what Missouri was in 2002 with Brad Smith, but Brad Smith was young, and you knew that this was building towards something with Brad Smith. Tyler Beatty's gone next year. Kiki mm-hmm. Chisholm is gone next year. Barrett Bannister's probably gone next year. Um, so you've got Toski Dove as the only guy that was targeted on Saturday that's likely to return. That's not where this program needs to be right now. So that's the concern for me is it's not just about, OK, one day, one game. Here's what it looked like. It's also, OK, what does this signify for the future? And what it seemingly signifies is the guys that they've brought in, they don't trust right now. 
And that's concerning given the fact that we're now eight weeks into this college football season. Or they're injured. I mean, yeah, that too. Sure. So like, it's not completely just a trust, but like at the same time, I think you're right. You know, if JJ Hester is healthy, which he seemingly is, he should have been out there way more, way, 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 way more. Um, Nico Hay is a good tight end. He does a little mm-hmm. bit of blocking. He's pretty good in the passing game. He should be in there more. Uh, Daniel Parker Jr. is probably gone next year. Had a couple holding calls that go against him, but like, I don't know. It, it it is very confusing as to how they they manage the snaps and how they manage these players. So there's something going on. We don't know what it is. We don't see the practices. Um, and this was coming off of a bye week, which is also part week. of the story. Yes. Like you, this was intentional. <laughs> this is not everyone got hurt against, you know, Florida and then turn around and play Vandy. Like he had two weeks, two weeks to heal up. So yeah, this was them self-scouting and determining our best course of action moving forward is with Toski Dove, Barrett Bannister and uh, Kiki Chisholm. And they, by the way, very well, maybe true. Like, I, I think it's I mean, totally in play that those are your best receivers right now. Yeah, but it's not just about the here and now. It shouldn't be. And that's why it's it's been very frustrating. I'm not I'm not saying that this staff has lost my trust as far as how to manage a team. It's just very it's very curious. It's very curious to me how a very bad defense has a very narrow rotation and the offense is narrowing down too. Like, I mean, I guess credit to them for swapping out Delgado and well, I guess Case Cook is hurt, but like swapping out Delgado and Cook for Connor Wood. And Luke Griffin, like, that's an interesting change. I didn't think the offensive line absolutely needed to overhaul their starters, but you lose one, so I guess you're going to put in the other. I don't know. But, yeah, now you're paring down your receiving list. <laughs> like, and, mm. and, and there wasn't a whole lot there to begin with. Obviously, Mookie Cooper's injured, but, like, okay. A chance Looper was injured, too, so we, we weren't going to see him. Jay Macklin transferred out. Okay. It's really Hester and Lovett. But, like, even what Boo Smith. Yeah, that's true. Like, we can't... Because he does one thing well, where he should be getting five... Like, he's the type of guy where it should be what Dominic Lovett saw with eight snaps. That's your typical Boo Smith game. But it almost like everybody took a step down on the peg, right? Where Lovett is now playing the Boo Smith snaps. J.J. Hester is now getting the Lovett snaps. And then everybody ahead of them just, like, consolidated all of the other snaps together. It's, It's so weird. I don't understand it. I, I just, I know Boo Smith does one thing really well. You know who else did one thing really well? Emmanuel Hall. Mm-hmm. He did one thing really well. And oh, by the way, he became one of the most dynamic receivers in the SEC for one and a half years. Like, I just, I don't, I don't understand what's going on. And and we're really never going to find out what's going on. We don't get to go to the practices and no one's ever going to give you a straight answer in a, in a press conference or even in an interview. So we're just going to sit out here and twiddle our thumbs and wonder what the heck's going on. Hmm. But I just, I'm, I, I wish I knew because it doesn't make a lot of sense to me, given what we have seen from this team and with a bye week, which by the way, Eli Drinkwood's still undefeated off the bye. I want to point that out. Um, with the bye week, this is what you came out with and you need to win games. That's the goal of a head football coach. That can be interpreted in many ways, like you said, in the immediate term and in the long term. Is I, I this this literally just came to me, BK. So bear with me here. How much of this 
was the staff saying, we cannot lose to freaking Vanderbilt and then pulling a kid in the arcade and just smashing the special button over and over and over again and beating everybody who comes because it's, it's an unstoppable play. They just hit the Tyler Beatty button over and over and over and over and over mm-hmm. and over and over again because they knew he was the best player. He was better than anybody else from Vanderbilt and then he was going to make him win. Was this just a, well, we can't possibly lose to Vanderbilt and still think about keeping fan investment and the team culture bought in and all this stuff. And they just said, put the best ones out and then we will deal with the consequences later. It might have been. It, it it feels like it probably was, honestly. But even still, it's just hard for me to leave that game and be like, you know what? It's probably for the best that they didn't get JJ Hester more opportunities. <laughs> I agree. I agree. <laughs> I just it. If you're telling me that's why they gave the ball to Tyler Beatty as often as they did, absolutely. I think that's a perfect explanation for for that. Now, they still probably gave it to him a couple too many times, but they needed to. If they didn't give him the ball that many times, they might not have won the football game. And you do still have to get the W, but did they need to give, um, for example, Toski Dove 64 of the 76 offensive snaps? That. That seems a little aggressive. Did Kiki Chisholm need to play quite literally every offensive snap? (laughs) He was the only non-offensive lineman to play every snap for Missouri on Saturday. Maybe that's a a little overdoing it. Like you probably could have taken his snap count from 76 to 60 (laughs) and it would have been okay. So those are the kinds of things that I just look at and I'm a little puzzled by. And I do think some of this goes back to what you had mentioned previously about the uh, receiver rotation, where it's, hey, do you trust them in run blocking? J.J. Hester in for 11 pass plays and four running plays. I wonder if that was intentional. Mm -hmm. You know, the problem, though, is if that continues in that way, teams are going to notice a tell and they're going to say, hey, anytime Hester's in the game, you know, you don't have to worry about the run. Because 70% of the time, they're going to be throwing it. Mm -hmm. So this is something that they've got to be super careful with as well. And I know there's only four games left, but (laughs) when you get into these obvious tells of specific players coming in, you're basically platooning a position where, hey, this guy comes in for the running plays and this guy goes in for the passing plays. That can be also a dangerous way to go about it, too. And by the way, Daniel Parker Jr. kind of becoming one of those guys, too. He had 35 run play snaps and 10 pass play snaps. Yes. So it, it's almost like a 75% chance of, hey, if Parker's in the game, they're probably running it. Well, that's not great. Um, I did not even, I didn't even look at the, the distribution there. Mm-hmm. Um, By the way, credits power Mizzou. They, they, they track these numbers. I think they get them from pro football focus. So, yeah, well, that's good. So, geez. So you got an offense who now has, um, situational packages that are very obvious. You have a running back who's get, getting way more of the load than he should be. Uh, and you're paring down your receiving list because of their run blocking. Huh? Um, I think this clearly points to the issue that this is Scott Linehan's fault. Yeah. <laughs> you knew it was coming over the summer. You heard that he was going to be added to the list and you were like, you know what? This is going to be a problem. And here we are. I and, uh, it's, it was. It's it, the difference between 2020 and 2021. You got the Linehan stink all over Missouri. I'm telling you, man, like he's, he was on the sideline 
And I was so mad. I was so <laughs> mad on Saturday because I saw a stupid face. I was like, you get off my school's team. You get out of here. You're the one doing the self-scouting. You're the one telling them, hey, uh, we should probably uh, pare down our receivers to just three guys. And we should probably just let Tyler Beatty run it 30 times. Yeah, thanks a lot, jerk. Um, I did enjoy watching Tyler Beatty. Am I allowed to say that? Like, I know it was 39 times, and yes, that's an astronomical number, and there's literally only been one Missouri running back in the last 20 years that has touched it in as, uh, as many times in a single game as Beatty did on Saturday, and that was Ishwitter, by the way, which mm-hmm. is just a tremendous little tidbit. Mm-hmm. Um, but... He was outstanding. He was. I mean, Tyler Beatty is just such a good football player. And I wrote this in my takeaways piece over on the site at RockingNation.com. It's just been such a joy to watch him take away the one question that people had about him. The question was coming into the year, can he be a legit bell cow, the, the lead back in an offense? Because he is smaller. And that has been like not just eliminated from the conversation, now that has become a, a strength for him where he is out there basically being an Iron Man for almost every snap of the game and touching the ball like literally half of the time on half of Missouri's snaps yesterday or on Saturday. He touched the football more than half of them. Thirty nine of the seventy six. That's that's remarkable. And it's too much. And they need to chill that out a little bit. But watching him is just such a joy. I don't think he's going to win the Doak Walker. Because he's on a bad team. But. That's the kind of game that. The Doak Walker award was made for. Mm-hmm. And you look at the names on there. Like Tank Bigsby for Auburn. Okay. Yeah. He's probably going to be up there. Um, sincere McCormick at UTSA. I know he's done really, really well this year. Um, but even like what Brees Hall at Iowa State's having a good year, and that's kind of not a great team either. Um, Bijan Robinson, right? From Bijan Texas, Robinson from Texas is probably going to be kind of the guy. And then Kit Kenneth Walker, the Michigan State, he, he just had the, the type of game as well that mm-hmm. could potentially get him on that list. So, like. Well, Kenneth Walker wasn't on the watch list. Is that is this one of those awards where you have to be on the watch list to win it? Oh, I don't know. Because he wasn't. I'm not I'm sure looking how that works the, on this one. I'm looking at the list from this summer, and he's not on it. So I don't know if that's going to be I the would, case. I don't know if those matter. I, I don't know, though. It, happened, I mean, it mattered five to Denario Alexander, against, I can tell you that. I know, I know. This, these these awards are so silly sometimes, the, the rules that go into them. Um, I mean, when you when you score five touchdowns on the ground against Michigan, I feel like that'll put you at least on the radar. <laughs> that deserves to be a, a watch list nominee. The five touchdown clause. Yeah, I would. Say yeah, that, the so. five. If you score five touchdowns against the top 10 opponent, you are eligible for this award. <laughs> well, I again, I don't know if he's going to win, but he is certainly the most valuable player on this team. And he's a running back and he literally does everything for Connor Bazelak. So. I, I was starting to feel bad for him towards the end of the game. Like there are a couple of runs where he got it and he didn't really want to get it. And he just like jumped into the line. Like, just take me down, Jesus. Like, let me just figure out what happens when I do this. And that's, that's finally when drink was swapped it out for Michael Cox. Finally, finally, finally. Um, and then the next time he subbed back in, he went what 75 yards. So like the dude, the dude is our offense. and. And again, if you're just like, all right, well, we're just going to we're going to pair this offense down to like, you know, just the 
the nitty gritty, the, the things that we know we do well, and those are all Tyler Beatty related. So put in our run blocking receivers and Tyler, hope you got a lot of rest in the bye week. Cause here you go. Here's 40, 40 touches. Like if that was the case, fine, whatever. Uh, we're not going to, we better not see it again. Then again, we said that after central Michigan, we saw it. We said that after Kentucky and here we are once again saying it. Um, but he he is having an incredible year and he's not going to have an incredible game next week. I can tell you that. But other than that, uh, you know, at this point, he's going to, he's, uh, he's going to finish with over 2000 yards rushing. He will, he's already over a thousand yards receiving for his career. Let me paraphrase that, but he's going to get a thousand yards on the ground this year. Probably mm. finish what? 400, 500, 500 yards through the year. Maybe. Given the way that they're utilizing him right now, I would say probably close to 500. Yeah, he's at 305 right now. Yeah, um, he's at 990 on the ground, so he could. I mean, it's it's in play for him to get like 1,300 yards on the ground and 500 yards through the air, maybe. Yeah, something like that. I believe it. Because we got to take into account that they they play a game next week where they they don't really get yards. That's not how the other team plays. Um, so <laughs> take it Can, like okay. It, can we say they technically have four games remaining, but <laughs> here's the thing. Here's the thing. I don't want to see any starters out there against Georgia. I don't want to see any, I don't want to see Beatty out there a little more than he needs to be. I don't want to see, you know, whoever the quarterback is out there any more than I need than I want it to be. Just please do not get hurt. Anybody like seriously, you will get hurt. Um, and I don't, there's, there's nothing to prove here. And I know that's not how you coach football. I, that, I know that's not how you manage football teams. I'm telling them, well, we're not going to win, so we're just not even going to try. Like, At the same time, you are still technically in play for a bowl game. As much as I don't want this team to play a bowl game, uh, you are still technically in play for one. And if that's something that's important to you, it would be in your best interest to not play the guys who are your best guys uh, against a team that is that good. Just the end. So. Yeah, and definitely, I mean, Tyler Beatty shouldn't touch the ball 30 times in this type of a game. He should get less than 10. If if the game is out of hand at halftime, which it likely will be, and I'm not trying to be pessimist, like this is the case for most teams going up against Georgia. They're the best team in the country, in my opinion, and their their defense is historically great. I mean, one of the best, even if you don't want to put them on the same level as some of the greatest ever, it's among the best ever. They're, They're at least in the team photo. So when you're going to their place and playing that way, it it's tough, man. But as of right now, Tyler Beatty is second in the country in yards per game from scrimmage. So, I, I mean, he's probably going to finish top five, even with, as you mentioned, this game coming up where he probably won't touch the ball quite as often as he does previously. Yeah. So the thing that we have kind of danced around and not talked about will be the last thing we talk about this game. And we'll dive into it a little bit more on our Wednesday show, but let's talk about Connor Bays. Like just from a injury standpoint and from a, uh, what did Sam call it? Quarter quarterback controversy week standpoint. Um, there should not be one because this week's game is Georgia. The worst thing you could do is say, well, Connor, you are hurt. Um, Tyler Macon, you get the start against Georgia. That would be the dumbest thing you could possibly do because Georgia is so good. You wouldn't learn anything. You wouldn't learn anything. And in the same time, you Eli Drinkwitz would be burning the uh, blue chip backup 
save your card for nothing. Ask Dan Mullen how that goes. Huh. He did that this week when he put in, he finally um, take out, took out Emory Jones and gave Anthony Richardson, the backup that everybody's been clamoring for in Gainesville, gave him the start against Georgia and Anthony Richards died a horrible football death. And Emory Jones had to come in there and he was the one that got the touchdown incidentally. Um, so, but, but Dan Mullen has now played the, the savior card and now he's got nothing else to play. And there's a chance that he gets fired, but we're not talking about Dan Mullen. If you put out a blue chip freshman against this defense, you will break him. You will make him ineffective for the rest of the season because he is going to get pummeled. He is going to have every pass tipped, blocked, picked off, what have you. He's going to hand it off and watch his running back get demolished at the line. He is going to take the snap and have a defensive tackle who he weighs 5,000 pounds right in his face. Like, there's not going to be any lessons learned. There's not going to be anything gained that will be positive if you put him out this week. So if Connor Bazelak is healthy, he absolutely should get the start. If he is not healthy, Brady Cook should get the start because he is the second he is the second team quarterback. And I know Macon was the one that was out there on Saturday. Eli Drinkwood said it. It was a situational call. They wanted to run the ball. They knew Tyler Macon was a better runner than Brady Cook. End of story. Now, if you want to extrapolate that and say he's a better runner, look what that offense can do when you have a running quarterback in the game. I'd be willing to listen to that conversation, but I don't want to listen to that that conversation conversation (laughs) against Georgia. Right. I don't want to do that. So um, I don't think there is a controversy this week. I think it's going to be Bazelak because I don't think he's going to be all that hurt. And then he's going to have to deal with 60 minutes of Georgia. I agree with you. I think there should be a controversy in that. I think he's played poorly enough and the other guys um, have done nothing to suggest that they're terrible. Um, so I think there should be a controversy long-term that I am also with you though, does not include this week. Georgia is a different type of situation. This is the worst possible scenario to start a new quarterback in. You're going on the road against the best team in the country with the best defense in the country. And Oh, by the way, they're really fast. So the one thing that your quarterback does that's pretty good in terms of Tyler Macon of the running ability, yeah, that's completely neutralized against this specific defense. It might work against South Carolina, Florida, Arkansas. In fact, I think you could make a strong case that Missouri's best chance to win those three games very well may be with a running quarterback. Like him and Tyler Beatty just doing Tyler Macon and Tyler Beatty things might be your best course of action, just not this week. This week, it's got to be Connor Bazelak if he's healthy. And if he's not healthy, uh, I would put Brady Cook in there and see what he can do. Mm-hmm. Find out what that looks like against this Georgia defense. It's probably going to be bad. And that doesn't mean that Brady Cook is bad. It means Georgia's really good. Mm-hmm. And then moving forward, I would like to see the young guy getting the opportunities for, against South Carolina, Florida, and Arkansas. But for the time being, yes, there's a controversy in that Missouri needs to figure out what it's doing long-term at quarterback. But what they do at quarterback this week, honestly, just doesn't really matter. There's not a thing that matters this week. So, hey, did we say that Missouri won? I feel like that's important because <laughs> it's not been like the most upbeat, uh, happy conversation. But then again, you just beat the worst team in the world by nine points. And it was pretty close for most of that. So it was what we expected. 
again, going through a terrible win is never fun. No matter how much you prepare yourself for it, it's just not fun. But in the end, they did win. They did sing. We got to see the video at the end. <laughs> okay. So that's that's all good. Uh, and now we wait to get watch our beautiful boys get uh, destroyed by maybe the best team ever compiled. Um, Final thing that I wanted to make sure that we touched on a little bit here, Nate. Yes. We got to talk about the defense. So can I do you want to start with the good to, or the bad? We have to talk about the just defense. real quick, real quick. All right. Let me hear the bad first. Okay, the bad is you made one of the worst rushing teams in the country look like a really good running team. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't want to do that. That's, that <laughs> is uh, not the goal. And this happened after the bye week when they allegedly changed some things. And there were some things that you could tell they changed. Uh, so the problem is Vanderbilt's rushing yardage total in their first four SEC games was 256 yards, and against Missouri, they gained 258. So in other words, they gained as many yards against Missouri as they did against Georgia, Florida, South Carolina, and Mississippi State combined. So that's not good. Um, They also... Uh, have it run for this many games against an or this many yards against an FBS opponent in more than a decade when Zach Stacy was on the team. So yeah, bad game by Missouri's defense. However, if you want the good side of things, I think Chad Bailey might be a player. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure that he's good, but I think he's less bad than the other guys. I agree. And that's that is something worth writing home about. Uh, I kind of liked what I saw from Chris Abrams drain again. I don't know if he's a good corner. But I do think he's got some spunkiness to him, and there's there's a chance he could be solid. And that's that's a valuable piece on a defense. Right now, you're looking for building blocks. And I think those might be two of them for next year, going into the season. Now, I am a little confused by the whole Allie Green the fourth situation. I know he was on the injury report and listed as questionable. Was he just out yesterday? Did I miss something? Was he unavailable? Um... I I saw as much as you did. He was on the list, he, but that was it. He didn't play. Yeah. Like zero snaps. And I know he's good. I've watched it. He was a part of one of the best cornerback tandems in all of college football last year. And now he's just not even in the rotation. And I don't understand that. It doesn't make sense to me. So um, the good is. You've got a couple of building blocks and Allie Green the fourth, like whether it does or doesn't matter, he's not going to be a part of this team moving forward anyways. So it's not a huge deal. I I do think it potentially hurts you, though, on the transfer market when you have a guy that was a legit NFL talent who comes to your defense. And then by the end of the year, he's completely out of the rotation. But all of that could be nullified if he was just unavailable because of injury yesterday. So I want to have that caveat there. I just kind of figured it was injury related. I don't because he was on the list and then he didn't play. That's sure. that's where my mind went. But then again, he hasn't really seen the field all that much anyway. So, right. It was a trend. And that's one of the reasons why it's like it, it just leaves a little bit of mystery. I mean, before yesterday's game, he was in six games and had 215 snaps, 23 tackles. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, my God. Um. Yeah. So he hasn't really done much. But yeah, like you said, he's gone. No matter what happens, he was gone after this year. Yeah. So maybe that's the issue. I don't know. But when you're considering. But it's just only applying to him. (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) That's what's weird. It's like, okay, I could kind of understand that. 
but we're only applying it to this one player. And oh, by the way, Missouri also had nine penalties for 100 yards on the day, and they're uh, they're getting super sloppy in that regard, and they've got to figure that out too. So those were th- that's the bad. The bad is you once again made the other team look like it was like vintage Nebraska mm-hmm. with the triple option, and you had nine penalties for 100 yards on the day. So if we could just like chill that out a little bit, especially the penalties, that'd be nice. Would be nice, yeah. <sighs> well. Do you have any like top line takeaways from the defense? No, it was okay. bad. It's bad. That's I like fair. Chad Bailey. I thought he was he was around the ball a lot, and if and if he wasn't around it, he, he was still making a play. Like I was impressed with him. But that's it. <laughs> also, uh, well, Cannon York got a lot of playing time this week, mm-hmm. which is awesome for the walk on. Curious why. Uh, you know, think of all the guys that who are not playing because Cannon York is playing. Just remember when Jatorian Hansford was like a starting middle linebacker for Missouri. Oh yeah, I remember that. He played eleven snaps, and that was uh, obviously behind a walk on at defensive end. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know Jonathan Jones, Kai Montgomery, Travian Ford, all injured. I saw Arden Walker out there. Chris Turner is injured, but no. Not a lot of Johnny Walker, Isaiah McGuire, Trajan Jeffcoat, like Cannon York, Cannon York. Okay. Which again, great for him. I'm glad he's seeing the field, but also at the same time, you've recruited some guys who should be better than that and they're not on the field. So yeah. who knows? Who knows? Uh, but yay, Chad Bailey. I like you. You're cool. Anything else before we get out of here? I think that's basically it, man. Um, good Chad Bailey. Good on Tyler Beatty. Liked seeing Tyler Macon. I think he brings a different element to the offense that is worth consideration moving forward, just not against Georgia. Weird receiver rotation. Confused by the corner rotation. Chris Abrams' drain might be something worth building around. That's basically my overall thoughts from this game. And oh, by the way, they won. And that's, in the end, that's what mattered. They had to go out to Nashville, and even if it was ugly, which we both expected it to be, um, they, they were able to get the win. They're 4-4. Four and four. They're back to 500. They'll be 4-5 and five after next week, and then hopefully can fight back to 5-7 and seven or 6-6 six and six by the end of the year. Yep. And fire Scott Linehan. I'm good to I'm gonna just stick to that until he's gone. Um, so yeah, that's gonna be our show for today. As always, we appreciate the downloads and the subscriptions. Leave a comment because we love all types of feedback from you guys. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Nate G. Edwards, he's at BK Sports Talk. Of course, you can follow the Rocket flagship at Rocket Nation. And you can listen to BK on the radio on uh, 101 ESPN in St. Louis. So we appreciate you tuning in this time. We'll try to do better next time. And until then, MIZ. Z O U.